0: Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus, and today I'm joined by my co-host...
1: Amanda Anguish.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the ABCs of CBT. So (laughs) we're going to have some fun with some alphabet soup. Uh So this is really your... Bread and butter, This Amanda. is my baby. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly. So uh, when we're talking about CBT, mm-hmm. let's just jump right into it. And by the way, for our listeners that maybe haven't heard um, who we are, I'm a psychiatrist. And then Amanda is Marriage a- Marriage
1: and family therapist.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so um, we deal with mental health a lot and we deal with CBT a lot. It's, mm-hmm. it's a commonly prescribed modality of therapy that we use with our patients. So what is CBT?
1: So CBT, that's the abbreviation for cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's basically the idea that your cognitions or your thoughts, that's a fancy way of saying your thoughts, are sort of the captain of the ship. And out of those thoughts come our behaviors and our emotions. So it's basically looking at your thoughts and considering, like, are they true and are they helpful?
0: Okay, so if then we're able to change our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Could we change our behaviors and maybe our emotions?
1: Absolutely. And a lot of people come to therapy, especially or are struggling in life because they're... Especially their feelings, you know, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious, angry, upset, or I'm feeling nothing. And we don't realize that we're often doing a lot of behaviors because of those feelings that are not necessarily helpful too. But in looking back at our thoughts, that's really the culprit behind why we're feeling the way we're feeling and why we're doing what we're doing. So if we change those thoughts, then we can change those feelings and change those behaviors.
0: And that's really what your mm-hmm. expertise is in, right? So I love doing it. <laughs> so so we're here talking with the CBT queen, or at least a CBT princess, one of the two. So oh, not I a hope- princess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no offense to you princesses out there.
0: <laughs> is, is that a thought distortion, Amanda? I don't know. Uh, All right.
1: Maybe princess of the most high God. I'll take that one. Okay. (laughs)
0: Okay. okay. We'll take that. So why is cognitive behavioral therapy so important when we're dealing with some of these disorders? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it might be depression or anxiety or something like that.
1: So a lot of people think that it's actually the circumstances that they're going through in life. Like maybe I got the short end of the stick or all like the universe is against me. And why do all these things happen to me? But what we don't realize is it's not so much those things that are happening to us. Otherwise, what about all those stories and movies that are made about people who have difficult things that they overcome? It's more so about the thought patterns that we have in the midst of those things Mm. happening. And that's why we love those stories about people overcoming because they didn't let those things slow them down or keep them held back. They actually changed their thinking towards them and that's what moved them forward and they became victorious.
0: Yeah. I think about some of the people, especially that went through hard times, whether it was like a war or, you know, maybe it was just something traumatic in their life uh, that wasn't on a a countrywide or worldwide scale, maybe mm-hmm. it was like um, a personal disaster, you know, a job loss or a relationship loss or a personal trauma, like a rape or something like that. And it seems like some people like crumble and really just struggle, like even for the rest of their life sometimes. Mm-hmm. And well, whereas other people are able to actually come out of that and grow and that sort of thing. So you're saying a big part of that is actually how we relate, how we think about Mm -hmm. that. Is that correct?
1: It's, it's literally the difference between looking at something as a challenge to overcome versus it's going to crush me.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's a huge, right?
1: Yeah. Who wants to be crushed all the time? I don't, but we don't realize how often our own thinking is actually crushing us.
0: Wow. Okay. So with that context in mind, Mm -hmm. um, I guess one follow-up question there, you know, there's a lot of different types of therapy, Right. There's Mm -hmm. um, interpersonal psychotherapy. There's psychodynamic psychotherapy. There's like the uh, Family family systems. There's all sorts of different ones. What makes CBT special?
1: Well, I like to say if you really understand all of the therapies, like they overlap quite a bit. Um, But the difference between cognitive behavioral therapy and some of the other ones is that it's the most heavily studied, researched, evidence-based therapy there is out there. And so it's also the one that seems to over... overlap all of the issues that people are facing. And so it's actually appropriate for so many different things. It's not just like, oh, well, we use this therapy for this thing and then a different therapy for this you can utilize cognitive behavioral therapy for just about anything anybody's going through. And it doesn't mean you don't use other things with it too, but its I call it like the foundation of everything I do. It's like the skeleton, and then you can add other things to it. But even cognitive behavioral therapy is expanding to include a lot of other things that overlap with even those other therapies. So it's not just... it's simple in theory but then it becomes really complex in the way you can utilize it too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean and that's in my experience too and I've mm-hmm. just seen it help in so many different situations, so many different people and and the evidence and the scientific evidence clearly shows that that it really is the mm-hmm. most robust uh, therapy in general f- across psychiatric disorders. So.
1: Yeah, and sometimes even people think that, oh, well, I'm not getting CBT, I'm getting DBT, but even DBT is a form of mm-hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy. Yep. So,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about, now that we've defined CBT, let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the ABCs. What okay. Do the ABC and ABCDEs, actually, yeah. <laughs> what does that stand for and how do we start approaching doing CBT?
1: Okay. So I usually, maybe we can add a worksheet or something to this if people want to download it. Um, But usually when I have a client and, they're sitting with me. I have a worksheet with me. And cognitive behavioral therapy does tend to have homework with it. There's reading, there's worksheets and that sort of thing. So you can really get to the heart of stuff and, and hands-on approach to it. But um, there's we just have a sheet. And if you have it landscape laid out in front of you, an A, B, C, D, E across the top of it. And the A you don't have to, this is the beautiful thing. You don't have to start with one letter, but you want to start with the ABC part anywhere you, in there that you mm, can. Okay. And so we'll just go in order just for the sake of simplicity.
0: But that's a good point because I think even for me, I've often ha- thought like, okay, I have to start with the A part mm-hmm. and then it can sometimes get a little confusing, but sometimes you can even start with the C part and back up, right? So Yeah. Okay. So
1: the A is our activating events. All of us have activating events all day, every day. Nobody will ever come to me and say it and be honest that, oh, I don't have any activating events in my life. Mm-hmm. Your alarm clock going off in the morning is mm-hmm. an activating event. It it triggers something, it gets something going. Mm. So our activating events are anything from our circumstances that we're experiencing to people, and not just the whole of a person, but what they say, what they do. But it even goes into the internal parts of us too. If I have depression, my own thoughts and feelings could even be triggering me on a daily Mm. basis, even if no one is saying anything or nothing is happening out of the ordinary.
0: And that's actually really important because sometimes I look around and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what happened around me, but I'm not feeling so great. Mm -hmm. But then when you really back it up and you're like, well, what was I kind of thinking about? And then you can realize, oh, maybe my own thoughts. And I was just like daydreaming and thinking about this negative experience that I had. And that actually became its own trigger in a way.
1: Absolutely. If I have depression and I have a constant internal monologue of oh I'm horrible I can't do anything right I don't need somebody to say something to me maybe that started way back when I was a little girl or something like that but I don't need somebody to repeat to me Mm. my own internal monologue that keeps telling me that I could be going through my day just fine and then my brain tries to remind me see Amanda you're ugly or you can't do anything right Nobody said it to me, but it's my own internal thoughts and feelings that can trigger me even.
0: Okay. Yeah. So why don't we run through these ABCs and Mm -hmm. if maybe if you could give me even in the context of an example Mm -hmm. so that uh, our listeners can conceptualize what an activating event might look like and then the B part and the C part. Uh, That'd be great.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, activating events, I said they can be both internal and external activating events. So, let's take, for instance, uh, well, you want to pick one? We oh, could we could work on you off. while we're here. Oh, oh
0: great! Okay, so let's say my child is screaming. Okay, <laughs> this never that would... happens at my house, but you know, maybe once every you. month or so.
1: You're such a great parent. This so rarely happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you're a psychiatrist too, so this probably you're just all of your kids are
0: perfect. That's right. That's right.
1: So your kid is st- screaming. That would be your external activating event. So now. Because you're triggered, what is that activating? Actually, it's activating the response, which is a belief. Mm. Most people think that, oh, well, if I have this activating event, automatically I'm going to go to the C, the consequences. I'm going to feel a certain way and I'm going to have to react a certain way to it. But in fact, there's something in between and that's the B, our beliefs about it. Mm-hmm. And so if you believe, for instance, like, man, I'm a horrible parent or I'm a horrible psychologist because my kid is yeah, screaming and I can't I even. I'm like, man,
0: my, par- my my parenting skills, I must be a terrible mental health class. Nurses, yeah. I can't even. Yes. <laughs> if
1: you think that, what are naturally the consequences going to be? They're going to be, you know, feeling inadequate, mm-hmm. insecure, maybe even a behavioral response or consequence. I would can invite
0: anyone over to my yeah, house. Nobody can
1: come <laughs> over. I can't even do my work as a psychiatrist. Where where's my legitimacy going to be?
0: I'm if... a <laughs> fake. I'm a fake. <laughs>
1: yeah. But. That that belief that you have largely determines the consequences, not consequences like we give to our children, but consequences in terms of how we're going to feel in life and how we're going to act or behave in life. Mm-hmm. And so because of our beliefs, and usually when we're talking about the B, our beliefs or our thoughts is another word for that, is when we're doing that, we're not realizing that this is going to determine how I'm going to feel and act. And so when we go, when we are at that B part, we're actually talking about irrational beliefs at that mm. point. That's why we're doing the worksheet. We don't have to do worksheets on great beliefs and ad- yeah. accurate beliefs. But when we get to the B, that belief, it's an irrational or self defeating belief. Mm-hmm. And how we know that is our list of feelings and behaviors are often quite negative. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that sadness necessarily, like say you were sad because, and you don't even know what your belief is yet. Sadness doesn't indicate a bad belief Mm -hmm. because what if your activating event was death of a loved one? Mm -hmm. That would be an appropriate feeling. But when you start adding things like hopeless and worthless to it, now you can recognize I must be telling myself something That is, in fact, causing me to then do other behaviors as well, which are negative. So anytime you have a negative behavior, that indicates a irrational self-defeating belief. But when you add things like worthless to sadness Mm -hmm. or hopeless to sadness or anger, even anger is appropriate at times. times, But when you add hopeless to that Mm -hmm. or worthless to that, what then becomes of the behavior?
0: Or, or maybe it turning into, like, bitterness or mm-hmm. something that is really toxic. Or maybe yeah. that anger is completely out of proportion. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if it's an anxious feeling, it's out of proportion given the circumstances, right?
1: Yeah. It's just... For our time, it's hard to, you know, go through each emotion right. and stuff like that. But you're absolutely right. When you start going through those and you notice like, wait, it's okay to be angry, but now I'm bitter. Mm-hmm. What's, what am I thinking that's causing that bitterness or something like that? But any negative behavior, any self harming, substance abuse behavior, whatever it might be, retaliation, behavior, aggression, those all indicate I have some kind of irrational belief that's happening after my trigger yeah. or my activating event.
0: So let's say that we now identify like, "Ooh, yeah, I'm realizing I'm having some pretty negative emotions here that are not appropriate or they're mm-hmm. excessively in one in a certain direction uh, or the behaviors or both. What can I do to start? correcting this.
1: Absolutely. So the C, I I really like to emphasize the consequences because especially in terms of behavior, a lot of people don't know if their belief is true or false or self-defeating or irrational. But when you see a long list of negative coping or consequences that's what specifically tells you there's something wrong with the b that's when you can jump now to the d so the a through c is the problem Mm -hmm. the d and the e is the solution so the d is where we dispute that belief now that we know that there's something irrational or self-defeating about it and how do we dispute that we have to ask two questions There's a lot of other questions you can ask within those that are Mm -hmm. called Socratic questions, but those two specific questions are, is this true? Do you know how often we ask our thoughts if they're true?
0: (laughs) Almost never. Probably not enough, yes.
1: (laughs) Not enough. That seems like the most bizarre thing to ask, like, well, is this true? But what happens when we start asking those thoughts? Are they true? Oh,
0: Well, you know, it's interesting (laughs) as you're talking, I'm just thinking about that quote that because we often hear, don't believe everything you hear, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I think we also need to think about, don't believe everything that you think. Yes,
1: (laughs) absolutely. Because we have upwards of 80,000 thoughts that go through our head in a given day. But what really matters is which ones I pull out of those thoughts and I value because I can have, I could have a thought like, oh, I should eat that cake. But that's not, gonna, that's not a big deal unless I value that thought and I go, yeah, I should eat that cake. I'm going to go eat it now. But I have thoughts like that all the time of like, about oh. About
0: cake. <laughs> not,
1: not necessarily about cake, but I don't know why that's a, my example. But we have all these thoughts and many times we have what we call metacognition, mm-hmm. which is thinking about what we're thinking about. And that's what the D is about. It's literally slowing down the process and saying, have I thought about this? And when it comes to, is this true? How do we know if something's true in Mm. a court of law? There has to be evidence. Evidence, yeah. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people will look at one side of the evidence. Mm -hmm. That's like a judge saying, I'm only going to look at the prosecution's evidence. I'm not going to look at the defendant's evidence. Mm. They would probably wouldn't have their job for very long. Maybe one case would fly with that, but not a lot of them. And this is what we do. I'm only going to look for the evidence that supports my belief. I'm not willing to look at the evidence that doesn't support my belief. Yeah.
0: And don't we call that like confirmation bias? Yes. (laughs) It's
1: it's confirmation bias. It's belief perseverance. No matter what, I'm not going to let go of this because I'm not going to ask that vital Mm -hmm. question Where's the evidence for this belief? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's helpful to ask somebody else, like a therapist, like, help me through this. And then therapists can ask more questions like, well, who were you talking to during that time that that happened? oh, yeah, that person's not a very reliable resource for, you know, information or they're negative all the time. I'm not going to expect a positive thing from this person. So that's where we go to find our evidence. More questions, too. Is that true? The second question that we ask is, is this helpful? And the reason we ask that question is because there are a lot of true things in life that we tend to perseverate on and ruminate on and they don't allow us to move forward in life. So when I ask myself the question, is this helpful? I have to ask the question, is this allowing me to move forward or is it keeping me stuck? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of things I've made huge mistakes in my life that I'm not really proud of. But if I focus on that for the rest of my life, where's the opportunity to grow? Where's the opportunity to learn from it and do better Mm -hmm. next time? Instead of, gee, I made that mistake in 1985 and I continue to think about it every single day and I can't move on from it. And there are a lot of people doing this.
0: So it's even though it's true that you made that mistake, it's like, why hyper focus on that, especially Mm -hmm. if you've already learned Something from it, and you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I want to move on and not repeat that same mistake.
1: And this is not the same as not being willing to take Mm -hmm. responsibility for it. It's after you've taken the responsibility for it, it's after you've learned from it and done what you can to make it right if it's that kind of problem. But sometimes, you know, maybe we fail at a business venture or something like that. Maybe we, you know, sabotaged a relationship multiple times. And that person honestly does not want to have anything to do with us anymore. But we've learned like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Is it helpful to perseverate on that relationship or to move forward in a new way of interacting Mm -hmm. with other people? And that's what I want to remind myself. Like, yeah, I'm tempted to go back and keep focusing on that. But that is, you know, largely been dealt with. And so I'm going to move forward and not continue to make mistakes in my future relationships. And who knows, maybe when that person from a distance sees that you're doing really well, then they might come back into your life Mm -hmm. knowing that there has been a change just as an example. But the cool part of this is that once you ask those questions, you don't just stop there. Now you have to take that old belief and turn it into something that is true and helpful.
0: Okay, so help me out here. Let's go mm-hmm. back to my example yeah. um, of my screaming child, <laughs> which happens once a month, uh-huh.
1: uh- <laughs> only occasionally, only,
0: only. <laughs> maybe every mm-hmm. two months. <laughs> and, and, and so, so now I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, you know, I I must not be a very good. Psychiatrist, because mm-hmm. um, my I can't even control my my child, and I should really. Like I don't even think I can be effective with my patients because I I can't even put into practice what mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach other people and so yeah. then of course the consequence there so that's the belief right yeah. and then the consequence there is I'm feeling down I'm feeling like kind of hopeless about my career maybe I, I withdraw I go in the other room and kind of mope um, and like okay my wife can handle the kids better than I mm-hmm. can so I'll just let her take over and maybe I'll come to work but I'll kind of be like uh, you you half-heartedly there. Mm-hmm. So that's the consequences, And all right? of
1: your patients are like, what happened? Yeah, what
0: happened? <laughs> he became a dad. <laughs> I, I'm worried about him now.
1: Is he, is he needing to take any of the medications right, he's prescribing? Right. Uh-huh.
0: So, so how would I then use the D part to get myself out of this hole, the disputing part? Um So you're saying, okay, is it truthful? Is it helpful? Mm-hmm. So uh, give me some ideas of how I would, Go about okay.
1: tackling this. So is it true? Well, what's true there? Your child does throw tantrums or screams or whatever. But what is also true with that? How many other kids in the world have parents who maybe even in the mental health profession and their children scream or cry or have, you know, tantrums? And maybe even knowing what you know about developmental Ages and that sort of thing and what are symptoms of certain I shouldn't say symptoms, but you know what looks normal in Mm -hmm. certain developmental stages like sometimes kids scream and cry depending on their age because they don't have words yet and that is their way of saying I need something or I want something so Even recognizing that, well, this doesn't necessarily mean I'm a bad parent. It could mean that my kid is just using their vocal cords to express something that's going on. Now, if I go back and I start saying there's something wrong with me, how much am I actually going to address the problem with the child or with your child if I think I'm the problem? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. versus hey let me look and see what my kid's going through right now right maybe there's something changing in their life if they're older mm-hmm. or something like that or maybe things that used to work aren't using aren't working at this stage of their development and stuff
0: and and the other thing that is you're talking to that's going through my mind is you know there are times where it's like oh yeah you know there are some parenting skills that I need to mm-hmm. learn and things that I need to get better on, but does that make me a bad parent, right? Yes,
1: because uh, bad is a category. Yeah. Not just a like, time.
0: Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. like, okay, there's there's a big difference, right, in thinking about like, okay, I have some areas to improve and some parenting skills I can hone and then I can become, you know, an even better or mm-hmm. more skilled parent versus like kind of identifying with I'm bad. (laughs)
1: Yeah, because then what do you do when your kid's not screaming? Do you go, oh, now I get to be a good parent. I'm going to go jump over into the good parent box. Or am I just a parent that's dealing with, you know, I'm not perfect in all the ways that I could be, but I'm actually willing to learn. And that's actually part of the reframe or Mm -hmm. after we do the questioning is recognizing, well, what can I tell myself that is true and mm-hmm, helpful? Mm-hmm. And what's true and helpful is something that allows me to grow in this, mm-hmm. to admit any areas that I might be weak in. And it also gives me the opportunity to go forward and try better at it next time.
0: So so now in our example, then I'm like, okay, well, look, just because my kid's screaming doesn't make mm-hmm. me a bad parent. Mm-hmm. actually... They could have a real need that needs to be attended to. So I'm going to approach them with curiosity. And of course, I'm going to also see, is there some way that maybe I could do things a little better? But that's the first thing I do is like, what's yeah. what's going on? So then I approach them and I'm actually interested in trying to figure out, oh, look, they need a diaper change mm-hmm. or something like that, or they're hungry. And then now I've identified an issue. I help I can resolve it. Mm-hmm. And now they stop crying, right? Mm-hmm. And so then that, of course, that so that changed my behavior. So mm-hmm. that changes the consequences, right?
1: Yeah, so now that's that's where the E comes in. Once I've reframed that whole, and reframing just means restructuring my mm-hmm. thought. Like instead of having a faulty pillar holding up that thought. Because sometimes our beliefs are mostly true. But we've added one little zinger in there that makes Mm. it false, too. So when I take out the, you know, irrational parts of it and I replace it with true and helpful parts, now I have something that is going to affect now the what we call effective change, which is new feelings and new behaviors that come out of it. Mm -hmm. So whereas before you might have stopped, given up. Now the new behavior is going to be like you go in there, like you said, with curiosity. I'm going to learn from this or I'm going to I'm going to approach it in a different way. I I hated the movie Groundhog Day when I first watched it. But it's like the perfect scenario to describe all of this, because the actor in the movie, he gave up as soon as something didn't work until he had to keep reliving the day. And he was like, I got to do something different. And that's where the true and helpful thoughts started Mm. coming in. And then he just tweaked little things here and there until he got it right. That's the best part of doing the ABCs is... Initially, when you start doing them, it's going to be very elementary and very basic. Mm-hmm. But as you keep doing it, you're going to get real sharp. It's going to go from like 101 ABCs to 501 ABCs. Mm. You're going to start looking for positive things and things you never would have seen And you're going to start looking for opportunities and things that you thought were completely disasters. And that's where the effective change comes in is Now I feel differently. I don't feel completely confident, but I'm obviously a lot less inadequate feeling than I felt before. But then it continues to grow until I start feeling more and more confident in these types of situations. But the cool part is, this is the best part of all, is That effective change when I'm feeling differently and I'm behaving differently because I'm thinking differently, it goes back and now whatever my activating events might have been in terms of I was depressed before and I had all these negative self-defeating thoughts that were triggering me, I'm not watering those anymore so Mm -hmm. they can't grow. They're not going to continue to affect me the same way because I've already changed that pattern.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's phenomenal how that downstream effect mm-hmm. and how clearly we see it. And I, I I've seen it in my own life and also in the lives of my, our patients. So, so one thing that I typically tell um, patients, especially when they're going through our intensive outpatient program, is you know when you're starting to do CBT, it's really helpful to do at least three or four abc sheets a week mm-hmm. and i want to encourage our, our listeners too and you're nodding so i'm, I'm guessing you're, you're agreeing <laughs> with me if you can't yeah. see me i'm nodding <laughs> yes uh that you know, writing it out really does help. You can get good at it over time, like doing it in your head. And I know there's a lot of smart people that can do it in their head, but I think there's something powerful about actually writing it out and going through that process. And it really does help you be more objective and really mm-hmm. learn how to weigh the evidence. And And i find found again and again, when people take the time to do that homework, which no one likes homework, but think of it as a, a fun <laughs> type of homework that's yeah. going to change your life <laughs> reframe it right <laughs> yeah. change your belief <laughs> about it then it makes a tremendous difference mm-hmm. and, and and then less and less do the circumstances of life matter and it's much more about how we're related to that now with that in mind you know one thing that gets me really excited about cognitive behavioral therapy which is truth therapy, mm-hmm. is that it's a wonderful way to also incorporate some spiritual elements as well. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you could speak to that.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I like to refer to it as cognitive biblical therapy, you know, because where do we get the best evidence for things? For truth, it, right? it's yeah. For truth is, is in God's word. And so sometimes we have a hard time. Maybe we don't have really good people around us to sort of help us through these things. And so, you know, the Bible is full of evidence to help us understand our value, um, the outcome of circumstances. You know, when you hear God's promises of like, I will never leave you or forsake you, like, what can't I go through now mm-hmm. when when I know that he's by my side? And so all of these things that we might not get really good representations of around us if we're you know depleted of healthy individuals and environments and that sort of thing I can get a better perspective of that from the Bible mm-hmm. and it's straight from God's lips. So yeah. how much more truth can you get than that?
0: That's beautiful. And I'm even thinking, like you said, you know, the value piece, um, but all, and also the, 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 the sense of identity mm-hmm. and the belonging and all this, because I think, you know, a lot of what we struggle with in our distortions about ourselves and about the world, et cetera, is that you know, Ooh, you know, I'm, I'm really not that worthwhile or I can't do it or Or I'm
1: not enough of this. Right.
0: I'm not enough. (laughs) Exactly. Or this is so scary and I'm alone Mm -hmm. and um, I don't know what's going to happen next. And, you know, all these different things. And I love how you said, God's word really helps to put that all into perspective. Mm -hmm. And as we Use and 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 for people that are open to it, I often even encourage them when you're going through that dispute part of the ABCDE is find some Bible texts that support, you know, a truthful yeah. and help, helpful reframe or be, change in belief. And that can be so powerful the more you meditate on that verse, that word of God, Mm -hmm. I I really see it change people.
1: Absolutely. I hope sales of index cards go up after this, but (laughs) I am a huge fan of index cards and writing down a verse that really um, answers the question to whatever problem I'm going through, because it actually takes all the work out of doing the ABCs of cognitive behavioral therapy, because you can literally find a verse that speaks to that, write it down, carry it with you. You don't have to have a therapist telling you it. You don't have to have a family member or a friend telling you it. It's right there. And the more you repeat it to yourself, because maybe that activating event comes up quite often, the more likely you are to memorize it. And now it's in your head. So
0: so every time you're triggered, mm-hmm. every time you have an activating event, boom. Just what's whip coming? out my card yep.
1: or it's in my memory it's in already. My mind and,
0: and it's coming up and it's mm-hmm. really reshaping. Uh, who we are, our response, and our ultimate outlook, which is a beautiful thing. So, yeah. well, thank you so much, Amanda. Oh, I'm
1: happy. <laughs> I know
0: you get super excited about this. Is your new superpower? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. And to all our listeners, I hope that you've gotten a lot out of our discussion today. And mm-hmm. I hope that you know with CBT, you got to put it into practice. Absolutely. And I know that you know it's like we want the shortcut here, but you will not regret putting in the time with CBT, doing mm-hmm. those a- ABC sheets, uh, which we want to uh, give you that resource. We have it on our website, but we also want to include it here. And uh, practice, practice, practice. And with time, the truth really will set mm-hmm. you free. So if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Binus.
1: And I'm Amanda Anguish, and you've been listening to The The
0: Brain People Podcast. Podcast.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com.